passion for God and compassion for our neighbor, reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. Well, it seems like just about every week I hear of somebody suffering, somebody going through a, a difficult physical time, somebody going into the hospital. Maybe it's because they've been diagnosed with cancer. Maybe it's a heart attack. And even this past week, it was a, a young guy in Spencer who had to have his appendix out at the last moment. And also, sometimes it's depression. Not just a, a biological thing, but a psychological thing. It seems like people every week are wishing they had a better body, a restored body. You know, if by God's grace you've managed to go through almost all of your life and you've been able to avoid sicknesses like cancer and, and diseases, the problem is that as you get older, your body begins to weaken. Isn't it true? No matter what, your body begins to age. You end up with arthritis in your joints, bunion, bunions on your toes, and of course, you have gray hair on your head. And finally, you end up putting Metamucil in your drink. <laughs> because as your body gets older, it gets weaker. And you start to long and wish for a better body. Well, even if you avoid the sicknesses like cancer, and even if you're young and you haven't felt the frailties of age, it seems like even if you're youthful, you still want a better body, don't you? How many of us are completely satisfied with our figure? How many of us think, oh, I couldn't stand to lose just a few pounds? I mean, 57.3 million Americans have a gym membership. And they have it for the same reason that you do. Because they're wishing and longing and looking for a better body. Well, um, this morning, I'm going to tell you how to get a better body how to get a better body that won't get sick and won't get ill, how to get a better body that won't age, and how to get a better body that always stays in shape, even without going to the gym. In fact, it's such a good body that, ladies, when you get it, you will never think of calling Mary Kay ever again. How are we going to get that body? That's what we'll find out this morning. Now, if you're new, I'd like to welcome you to Crosswinds. Uh, my name is Kurt, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, last week, we began a new series. This series is called Afterlife, and it talks about what does the Bible say about life after death. And we began last week by looking at what does the Bible say happens to us one minute after we die. And we learned that uh, the Bible says that when we die, in the Old Testament talks about us going to a place called Sheol. The New Testament talks about us going to a place called Hades, which incidentally, Sheol and Hades are one and the same, just one's the Hebrew word and one is the, the Greek word, and is a place of conscious existence for those who die. Uh, it's life after death. Not the final place of existence, but at least the place of temporary conscious existence. And you can learn more about Sheol and Hades by going back and catching up on last week's sermon. But the good news is that for Christians, when they die, 
they go directly home to be with Jesus Christ. As Paul would say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which is better by far. Now, last week, we focused in on the person. What happens to the person after death? When the body went in the grave, what happens to the person with their life? And that's what we studied. This week, we're going to look at the body. What happens to the body after we die? Because when you bury a body, or even when you cremate a body, according to the Scripture, that certainly is not the end of the body. And there is much more that will take place for our body through the rest of eternity. And that is what we're going to study this morning. Just so you know how we're going to approach this, we're going to approach this chronologically, a little bit like we did last week, working our way through how things just unfold. The first thing we're going to look at is what happens to our body immediately after we die in this life. The next thing we're going to look at is what happens to our body when Christ returns. And what the Bible says is we get the self-same body back. Third, we're going to look at more details about when we get our resurrection or returned body. And finally, we'll take a few minutes to apply this and how this makes such a difference in everyday life. So, let's dive right in. If you have your outline, follow along. First thing we see is this. After death, we get a temporary body. And last week, we looked at this a little bit. In Luke chapter 16, as we were looking at Jesus' parable of the rich man and Lazarus, we saw that both of them in that parable at that time went to a place called Hades, and they had what is affectionately known as the intermediate state bodies. They did not have a flesh and blood body, but they had some kind of body that was very similar to the body that we have today. Now, the New Testament doesn't give us a ton of details on the intermediate state bodies. It just sort of describes it a little bit. For instance, the Lazarus had a finger, it says, and the, the rich man had a tongue. Another example of what the intermediate state bodies would be Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, where Moses and Elijah were there with him. And Moses and Elijah were not there in their flesh and blood bodies, but they had a body that was recognizable, wasn't it? Recognizable as Moses, recognizable as Elijah, some kind of intermediate state body. I'll give you another example. 1 Samuel chapter 28, when Saul tried to um, conjure up Samuel, and he went to the witch at Endor, and uh, the witch tries to speak to the dead, and all of a sudden she's freaking out because, like, this is not what really is supposed to happen, but somebody actually shows up. The prophet Samuel shows up, and it's recognizable as the prophet Samuel, and he's not in his physical body. He's in some kind of intermediate state body that looks like his physical body, not a flesh and blood body. What this tells us, by the way, is that when you look in the mirror, we better like what we see. Because even after we die, we will still have an intermediate state body that, guess what, looks like the one we have today. God didn't make a mistake when he gave us our body. He made us just the way he wanted us to be. 
Now, just to you know, in the interest of complete transparency, uh, there is not a ton of information on the intermediate state body in the scriptures. Some theologians are divided on this issue. There are some theologians who believe that we are just disembodied souls after we die, while other theologians point to some of the verses that I just shared with you and say that it seems to be that we have some kind of an intermediate state body that looks like our current physical bodies. And that's what I believe, and that's what I shared with you. Uh, The best way I can describe this, I think, is that our intermediate state bodies would be very similar to, uh, should we call them angelic bodies. Now, we know that angels at times have appeared as human beings on the earth because there's scripture that tells us about that. But we also know that angels have some kind of a body, but it's not a flesh and blood body because there's descriptions of what angels look like throughout the Bible in the Old Testament. So um, I think that's a little bit what our intermediate state body is like. It's not a flesh and blood body, but it's us in a very similar sense. Now, here's what you need to to know. The scriptures say that it is actually better to be apart from our physical bodies and with the Lord than in our physical bodies today and apart from the Lord. So when we die, even though we lose our physical bodies and we get an intermediate state bodies, it's actually sort of an upgrade. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, Yes, we are of good courage and would rather be away from the body, this physical body, and at home with the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you uh, another verse of Scripture that I do not believe is necessarily conclusive, but I believe it leads in this direction. Paul seems to say that even when we are with the Lord and we are without our physical bodies there's a sense in which we will be longing to regain our physical bodies and have them back. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 2 through 4. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, the body we have now, We groan being burdened because we're weak. It's not that we want to be unclothed and get rid of this body, but that we would actually be further clothed and get a better body, he says, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. This body that dies would be swallowed up by a body who doesn't die. What he's saying here is the idea for us is not that we want to get rid of this body and be naked, but that we would get a better body. Now, you need to understand what's going on in the background. Maybe some of you have heard of Plato. Plato was a few hundred years before Christ. He was a philosopher, and this is what he taught. He taught that, the, that matter is bad, that the body is bad, and the spirit is good. And he said sort of the goal is the spirit should get rid of the body. And Paul says, no, that's not true. It's not that the spirit gets rid of the body. The the spirit is good. The body is good. The goal is that we would get a better body, not get rid of our body. 
And here is the incredible good news, that even after this body that you and I have today is dead and it is buried and it is in the grave, Jesus Christ will take this very self-same body that you are in today and give it back to you when he returns. That is the good news. That's our next point. When Christ returns, we get a resurrection body. Now, this is where it's very interesting because you study this scripturally and you discover that when Christ rose from the dead, he is described as the first fruits of the resurrection. Let me read this to you, 1 Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He was the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, his resurrection of his literal body from the dead was only the first one to rise from the dead. And when he returns, the scriptures are going to say, guess what? We rise and our bodies rise from the dead too. As it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, when he returns, we shall be like him in that resurrection body because we shall see him as he is. Or in John chapter 6, 39 through 40, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And notice this, and I will raise Him up on the last day. The same body comes back. Or as it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. So the Bible is abundantly clear, and I could have given you many more scriptural verses, that no matter what happens to our body, when Christ returns, we will get this very self-same body back, and our body will be just like Jesus Christ's body when his body rose from the dead. So the best way that I can describe to you what our resurrection body is going to be like is we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to look at um, Jesus Christ's resurrection body because it'll whet your appetite for what our resurrection body will be like. The first thing we're going to do is this. How will our resurrection body be similar to the one we have today? And then we're going to look at how our resurrection body will be different from the one we have today. So here's the first thing. Number one, our resurrection body will actually have the same DNA. Do you realize that? I want to ask you a quick question. What is more glorious? To take a ruined old car and completely restore it or to just make a new car? What do you think, Carl? Restore the ruined old car. It's often harder and it's often more costly to restore something that is old than to make something that is new. 
And here is what you need to understand about our great God. Our great God is a restoration specialist. He will not let Satan and sin destroy our physical bodies to such a degree that he cannot restore them and renew them. The defeat of Satan and sin is more glorious when God takes our same physical bodies that are rotten in the ground, that are decomposing, and he completely resurrects them and restores them and vastly improves them. This is why it is so completely important that you must believe the tomb was empty on the resurrection morning. Because if the tomb wasn't empty, that would mean that God gave Jesus a different body. But he didn't. He gave Jesus the very self-same body with the same DNA brought back to life and completely restored. Think about this. Isaiah chapter 59 talks about what Jesus was like when he actually went on the cross. It says in Isaiah that he had been so beaten and so whipped that the question was not, who is it? The question was, what is it? His identity was not about as a person that was in question, but his identity as a human being was in question because he was so disfigured. And then to die on the cross and to be put in the tomb for three days. And yet there's that very self-same body that God rose from the dead. So when Christ returns and he calls our names, it doesn't matter if your body's been dead for two minutes. It doesn't matter if your body's been dead for two years. It doesn't matter if your body has been dead for 2,000 years. The very self-same body will be reassembled completely restored and vastly improved, and we will get our bodies back. We will leave the intermediate state body behind and get our physical body back. So Satan and sin has no victory over our bodies. Isn't that good news? Some of you may say, well, what about people whose bodies were incinerated and cremated? Well, what about people whose bodies were eaten by sharks and their DNA was scattered to the far reaches of the ocean floor? And what I can say is this. The more complete the ruin of the body, the more glorious the restoration of the body. Isn't that true? The more complete the ruin, the more glorious the restoration. In Ezekiel chapter 37... Ezekiel preaches to what is a valley of dry bones, and he preaches the word of God. And what happens in Ezekiel 37? The bones begin to rattle, and they reassemble, and flesh goes on the bones, and eventually a vast and complete army is resurrected uh, simply by the preaching of the word of God. Death transforms into life. What about Lazarus? He was dead, and he was in the tomb, and what did they say? Oh, don't roll the stone away because he stinketh. He is rotting. 
And all that Jesus had to say was, Lazarus, come forth. And his body was completely reassembled and restored. A few years ago, I uh, did the funeral for my mother. And some of you know she, she died of cancer. And it was hard seeing the cancer just uh, all over her body and just completely just destroy her. And as we put her in the ground, I, I said these words. This very self-same body of my mother that was riddled by cancer and destroyed and that will rot in the ground. When Jesus returns and calls her name, will be completely reassembled and she will burst forth from the ground in that church cemetery like a landmine going off, throwing the dirt in the air as sheer self-same body is resurrected and completely restored and comes back to life. That is what the Scripture teaches on this issue. Westminster Larger Catechism says this, the very self-same bodies of the dead which were laid in the grave, being then united to their soul's forever shall be raised up by the power of Christ. And in case you doubt this, I, I like what Jesus says in Luke chapter 24, verse 39. See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Feel your body. That's what your resurrection body is going to be like doesn't matter how long you were in the grave. Well, the first thing we see, our bodies are going to be similar in our resurrection body because they have the same DNA. Second thing we see is that our bodies will have the same memories. And some of you, this may not be uh, too earth shattering because we talked about this last week, how even in our intermediate state bodies, it seems that our memories are still intact because the rich man and Lazarus could recognize one another when they saw each other across the great chasm in Hades. But in our resurrection bodies, our memories are intact too. And this is why this is so incredibly important. Because it means we're going to pick up our relationships right where we left them off. Jesus in his resurrection body picked up talking with Mary Magdalene picked up his relationship with Thomas, picked up his relationship with Peter and the rest of the disciples. In, in our resurrection bodies, we will continue to pick up and continue our relationships with our friends, with our families. Because in your resurrection body, your children will still be your children. Your parents will still be your parents. You'll still love them and be able to spend time with them and do things with them. Well, let's have some fun. Did you know that in our resurrection bodies, we will eat? We will. One of the great pleasures in life is food, right? About three times a day, and some of us more than three times a day. I'll admit to that. We like to eat. In fact, uh, when I was dating uh, my wife, Cindy, at first, one of the first things we did as a date, she had me over her parents' house, and she cooked me a spaghetti dinner. And she made it, like, with all that meat in it, and it was really, really good. And even though we were early in the relationship, I began thinking, if this woman may be the woman for me, because she can cook. You know, 
in our intermediate state bodies, there is nothing that leads us to believe that we will be able to eat physical food because we don't have a physical fleshly body. But when we get our resurrection bodies back, which are physical, which are tangible, the scriptures lead us to believe that we will once again enjoy the pleasures of food and the pleasures of eating. And how do we know that? Because we look at what Jesus did in his resurrection bodies. And what does it say in Luke 24, 40 through 43? And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Jesus had fish and chips in his resurrection bodies. Now, there is one problem with eating. And you guys have the same problem that I do. We eat too much. And then we gain weight, don't we? I don't know about you, but I can pretty much look at a carbohydrate and have it absorb into my body. I don't even need to put it into my mouth. Now, I suspect, though, that in our resurrection bodies, weight gain will not be a problem. Isn't that going to be good? You know, one of the first things we find when we get our resurrection bodies is there's something called the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation chapter 19. Just so you understand what a marriage supper was at that time, it was a week-long celebration. All you can eat food, and the best-tasting stuff, you sort of engorged yourself for a week. But the Scriptures don't say that after the marriage supper of the Lamb, Christ, who is the groom, took the bride, who is his church, out for a 10K run because the church gained too much weight. It's just not in there. Oh, you guys are too serious. I'm trying. Now, we're going to be able to eat in our resurrection bodies. The other thing I'd like to ask you about is what is your favorite food? Is it steak? Is it lobster? Lasagna? Chocolates. Ah, yes. Well, I have some good news for you, Amber. Because here's the deal. In our resurrection bodies, we're going to see that God completely restores our very self-same bodies, but he also vastly improves the very bodies that we have. And one of the things he will improve when he improves everything about our bodies are these things called our taste buds. So, if you like lasagna, what's going to happen is when Christ returns and we get our resurrection bodies back, we are going to be reigning with Christ on this earth in the millennium. And guess what we're going to be able to do? Eat. We're going to be able to eat lasagna. And because our taste buds are new and vastly improved, lasagna is going to taste better. Chocolate is going to taste much better. Yeah. And all the ladies gave a round of applause on that one. Yeah. But I've got some better news for you. The scriptures say that when we get our resurrection bodies, and by the way, we're going to look at the millennium and the earthly reign of Christ next week. So just hold the phone on what that is. You'll learn next week. At the end of the millennium, Christ actually makes the new creation, which is he completely restores and vastly improves not just our bodies, 
But the, this planet itself and heaven and earth are combined in the new creation. And it's a physical, tangible place, like we're on this planet, but completely stripped free of sin and vastly improved. And here's where it gets better. Because when we get our resurrection bodies, lasagna tastes better. But in the new creation, not only does lasagna taste better, but in the new creation, lasagna is better. Chocolate is better. So it will taste better all the way along. And remember, weight gain won't be a problem. Is anybody getting exciting for their resurrection bodies? If just for the simple sake of eating to the glory of God. Thank you, God, for all the good food. Number four, our resurrection body will maintain our gender and race. In the uh, Build Your Own Sermon Cards that we did last week, a number of you were asking questions, will I still be a man and still be a woman in eternity? And I, all I can tell you is real simply this. In your intermediate state bodies, you, it's not the same physical body, but you look like you were. Elijah still looked like Elijah, the man. Jesus, in his resurrection body, was he still Jesus, a man? Yes. So will we still have our same gender in our resurrection bodies? Yes, we will. But not only will we have our same gender, we'll still have our same race, we'll still have our same looks. You need to understand God loves diversity, but he loves unity around Jesus. He loves cultural, racial, and people diversity, but unity with Jesus. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and languages were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, all worshiping Jesus. So we looked at how our resurrection body will be similar to the body we have today. The same DNA, the same memories, we'll be able to eat, same race and gender. But how will our resurrection bodies be different? Here's what we learn. First of all, our resurrection body will become immortal. It's not just Marvel superheroes, it's us. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 says this, What is sown is perishable. What is raised, that is our resurrection body, is imperishable. Right now we're like a carton of milk. Every single one of us will eventually expire and go bad. But here is what it's going to be like in our resurrection bodies when Christ raises the self-same bodies up. We will never, ever get old. We will never get weak. We will have energy like a teenager for eternity in a physical body, just like the one we're in right now. We were not going to need a doctor. We're not going to need a dentist. We're not going to need a hospital. What is raised is imperishable forever in this very self-same body. Number two, our resurrection bodies will be filled with power. It says in verse 43 of 1 Corinthians 15, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. The older we get, the weaker we get. Isn't that true? 
I don't know about you guys, but in our house, I am actually the first one in bed because I'm tired. I, I am tired. But in our resurrection bodies, we're not going to be known for our weakness, but known for our power. The Greek word here is dunamis, from where we get our English word dynamite. It means power. It means capability. It's, we're going to be known for what we can do, not for what we can't do. Are you somebody who likes to write? Imagine being in your resurrection body that doesn't get weak, that doesn't get tired. You can write with great mental clarity, saying what you want, just the way you want to say it. Are you somebody who likes to play racquetball? Well, in your resurrection body, you'll be able to play racquetball for a lot more than just three games, and then you're exhausted. You could play racquetball all day and be good to go. Because the quality of your body is it's just like your current body, but it's all about what it can do, not what it can't do. Here's another fun one. Our resurrection body will radiate glory. 1 Corinthians 15, 43 says, Our body is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. And then it says in Philippians 3.20, But our citizenship is in heaven, for from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Now, when Christ rose from the dead, he appeared pretty normal to other people. But then when Christ went home to heaven, he was exalted to the right hand of the Father, and it seems like he begins to shine. His glory displays through. In fact, when Jesus comes to Paul on the road to Damascus, what do we find Jesus is like? And I was on my way and drew near Damascus, and about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Jesus is radiating light and glory in his resurrection body. And I don't know if you realize this, but in the new creation that we'll study in two weeks, it says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 23, there is no S-U-N in the new creation because Jesus, the brilliance of Jesus, is what illuminates the whole creation. Now, here's a question. We're getting a resurrection body just like Jesus. Will we shine too? I don't know. But if we don't shine and glow with glory, I suspect uh, what may happen is the more time we spend around Jesus, the more we may glow just like Jesus. And I, why do I say that? I say that because of Moses. Moses in the Old Testament as he went up Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And he came down and the, the Bible says that his face, face from being in God's presence shone, literally. He had put a veil over his face. Now if he is shining from being in God's presence in our current physical body, imagine what it will be like to have a resurrection body that is just like this, but be in the very presence of Jesus. I suspect we may glow, if not our own radiance and glory, we may absorb and then give back some of Jesus' radiance and glory. Well, 
one more big question. When will we get our resurrection body? Well, we, we said all the way through this that we will get our resurrection body when Christ returns. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, and he said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will one day come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back. Teen says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the, the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, that is, die, but we, will, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. That's our resurrection bodies. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body that we have now must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Let me take a moment to pause and to summarize things for you. In your bulletins, you'll see a little handout. Pull this out. Let me show you what we've covered so far. We die. Our bodies go in the grave, but we seem to get some kind of an intermediate state body that looks just like this body, but it's not a physical, fleshly, flesh and blood body. Then Christ returns and we get our self-same bodies back, but they're also vastly improved. They're immortal. They last forever. And instead of being characterized by weakness, they're characterized by power. And we will reign with Christ on this earth during the millennium, which, by the way, is a thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth. We're going to talk about that next week, so be sure to be back to hear about that. And then at the end of the millennium, we'll continue to have our resurrection bodies into the new creation where heaven and earth are combined and this earth is completely restored and vastly improved. That's what we get to look forward to. Now let me dive in a little bit deeper about how the return of Christ works. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by word of the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, they get their resurrection bodies. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And when, then we get our resurrection bodies. And so we will always be with the Lord. Now, 
here is where things can get a little sticky. There is a debate in Christendom over exactly how things unfold at the return of Christ. I'm not going to dive into this too fully, but I just want to at least familiarize you with this. The book of Daniel and Matthew, for instance, talk about a time of great tribulation before Christ returns. Seven years where things are going to get really, really bad. Some Christians believe there will be a secret return of Christ before those seven years of tribulation called the rapture. And they're called up the pre-tribulational return of Christ. That Christ takes the Christians out of this world before things get really bad. And then at the end of the tribulation, Christ comes back with the Christians in the second coming. Other theologians have believe what they call is a mid-tribulational rapture. That Christ comes back in the middle of those difficult times to take his children out. And still other theologians believe in what's called a post-tribulational rapture. That Christians will not be taken out before the tribulation. That they will go through the tribulation. And that Christ's return that we just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is one and the same for Christians and the second coming of Christ taking place. The rapture of Christians and the second coming of Christ taking place all at one time. Now if you turn your... um, little handout over, you'll see how those break apart. Does the rapture or the taking up of Christians happen before the tribulation? So we avoid it in the middle of the tribulation or do we go through it and does it happen at the end of the tribulation? Let me see if I can answer some of those questions for you. First of all, there are scripture passages that seem to hint that Christ will take Christians out of the world before the time of great tribulation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are places in the Old Testament where it seems like God took his children out of the situation of his wrath. Like, for instance, Noah was in the ark when God poured out his wrath in the flood. Or Lot was taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah before they were destroyed with fire and brimstone. And the children of Israel were to put blood over their um, doorposts before the angel of death went through Egypt and killed the firstborn. So it seems like God may do that. There may be a secret rapture of the church. And personally, I hope There is a secret rapture of the church. But let me tell you this. There is no clear, definitive, biblical passage that says there will be a secret rapture of the church. It's more an argument of inference. Nothing is stated clearly that that will happen. Just so you know, for almost 2,000 years of church history... Christians believed that we would go through the time of tribulation 
and the return of Christ and the rapture of the church would happen at the end, not at the beginning. That teaching only began in the 1900s. So, if you believe in a secret rapture of the church before the Great Tribulation, I hope you're right. I just can't biblically prove to you that you are right. So, we just go with it. Now, what is all this teaching? How does this matter in everyday life? And there's some great applications here. Here we go. Number one, let your earthly frailties whet your appetite for resurrection vitalities. Every time you feel weakness, every time you feel exhausted, every time you feel sick, remember there's coming a time when your body will not be tired, will not be exhausted, it will not be sick, you're getting the self-same body back when Christ calls your name. Amen? That's good. Number two, you don't need a bucket list. You don't. Now, nothing wrong with having a bucket list and wanting to do things. That's fine. But the idea of a bucket list is if I don't do it in this life now, I have no chance to do it ever again. And that's just not true. When Christ returns, you're going to get your bodies back. And you have another thousand years on this earth to do what you missed. And then you have a completely new creation to do what you missed for all of eternity. We don't need a bucket list. We get our bodies back. And lastly is this. God is a restoration specialist. He wants to begin his work of restoration in your life today. Did you realize that? We may get our bodies back, the very self-same bodies back when Christ returns, completely improved and, and vastly, completely restored and vastly improved. And another time in the future, the very creation will be completely restored and vastly improved. But today, today, Jesus wants to begin his work of restoration in your life. That when you confess your sin to Jesus Christ, and ask him to be your savior. The Bible says that he sends his Holy Spirit into our life as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And as you walk with Christ, Christ begins to remake you on the inside into the image of his very son, Jesus Christ. Someone who loves God and what is good and who is broken free oftentimes from what is the sin that so easily besets us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our resurrection bodies. We thank you for the promise of giving us a body that will not fade, a body that will not be weak, a body that will be strong. This very self-same body, you will give it to us because Satan and sin will not have that victory over us. And I thank you that your um, restoration power is not all future, but it begins today when we confess our sin to you and trust in Jesus to be our Savior, you begin to restore us and vastly improve us from the inside out. And all God's people said, Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us. And may God continue to enrich your life.